Welcome, everyone, to the Game Ball Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Schuster. Joining me tonight are Mark Myers and the long-lost Jenny Aquino. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we found her. We found her. Yep. Thank uh, you for tonight, finding me. Yeah, no problem. Tonight, we'll be recapping our time at New York Comic Con and Too Many Games and reviewing our retro roulette game, Blaster Master, for the NES. Before we get to all of that, what have you guys been playing? Jenny, it's been uh, longer than I can count, uh, so you can go first. Yeah, so I've been playing absolutely nothing. Just kidding. I've been up to uh, pretty much the same games that I always talk about, but um, I guess I could say that I've squeezed in more than the typical two-week time period that we go over on these podcasts. Um, so I'll start with the most exciting one for me, which is the least exciting one for Mark, and that's Phasmophobia. Um, they have, and it's been a while since these updates have been released finally, but because I haven't been on the podcast, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Um, they released a ton of new updates with Phasmophobia. They have two new ghosts. Um, they totally revamped all of the items. They changed some things. They added some new items. They changed the journal. You can now, um, change your audio device if you need to in game you used to have to completely exit the game and go back in and change things if you didn't have your microphone connected for whatever reason um they've made the ghost smarter which is terrifying they've added really creepy new ghost sounds so some of them sing some of them groan in different ways some of them breathe really loudly um there have been so many quality of life changes to the game and difficulty changes uh to be honest with you guys, I didn't know how I felt about it because there were so many changes happening at once. I kind of felt like my game was like changed, you know, it just it was too much change all at once. I think it wasn't your um, baby anymore. Yeah, it wasn't my baby anymore. Like one day I booted it up and it was a totally different game. Um, but I'm used to it now. And for the most part, I'm I'm pretty happy with all the changes. I think uh, Ghost Hunters Corp lit a fire under their ass, kind of. Um, and they decided, you know, we need to get on these changes and we need to kind of stand out a bit more than we already do from these other games that are coming out. There's a lot of ghost hunting games coming out. Um, so yeah, so that's been really fun. Um, they are also going to be working on nightmare mode. I'm not quite sure when that's coming out. I haven't looked at their Trello, um, fairly recently, but nightmare mode, I think a lot of people are assuming it's going to be something where, um, Either you have some red herrings thrown in there where you think you have evidence and then you have to go back and test it to see if it's true before you can guess the kind of ghost it is. And it may be that you start the game with 0% sanity where the ghost can hunt you as soon as you step foot in the door um, to really ramp up the difficulty. That'd be a big so, nope for me. Yeah, <laughs> it would be something interesting, let me tell you. Because right now, I mean, I play on professional mode. Right now there's beginner normal i think i forget what the middle one is or maybe it's um i forget and then professional professionals the only one that i like to play on because you get the most money if you you know do all the objectives and it's so easy to die in the game now that you kind of have to play in professional mode or you run out of money so fast and then you can't buy the items you need to play so yeah. professional mode is the best mode right now but i can't imagine nightmare mode how much crazier that's going to be it's going to yeah. be interesting it sounds very much like uh, what kind of happened with PUBG mm -hmm. um, in that they were the first out the door 
and then everybody started catching up and doing it better. And mm-hmm. then they tried to like innovate and rent and just could never maybe phasmophobia does, but they could just never get that like foothold in the zeitgeist again. Mm. Um, and everybody just kept playing Warzone or Fortnite, <laughs> right. um, you know, because they were doing it better. But they'll yeah. always have that group of hardcore fans because it's more realistic, um, PUBG than the other two. So I it just this just sounds an awful lot like that from following, the, um, you know, the trajectory there, since I was a little more interested in that mm-hmm. um, than this. But hopefully maybe they learned some lessons from that, that um, you don't have to try and go too crazy um, to, yeah. to keep people. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll see. It's a, It's always interesting to watch these. Um, I'm very interested to, um, and I'm sorry for using that word twice in back-to-back phrases, <laughs> um, in a similar sense, what happens with, um, uh, Jesus, after criticizing myself, I lost the name of the game, um, uh, Among Us, that being the first out the door with that type of game. Right. You know, and if people start catching up in the next year or so, um, uh, but they seem to be getting out ahead of it, unless if I'm missing some similar games. Uh, there's the... actually Duck, Duck, Goose just came out, which has yeah. given them a run for their money, I think. Or yeah. Goose, Goose, Duck, whatever it's called. Is yeah, it... like, but they, they were updating like a couple months, like right. with new stuff before that game even came out. Mm-hmm. So maybe they were trying to get out in front of it. But it's always it's always an interesting thing in the indie space when the game that gets first to market, how either they survive or if it just... It, they just become a footnote in history, essentially. Right. Um, like a trivia question um, out there. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with Phasmophobia. Um, just especially if some one of the big names gets behind it. Yeah. I you know? I think you're, you're for the most part, right on, the, on point. I think Phasmophobia is trying really hard to prevent what happened to PUBG from happening to them. Yeah. Where they saw Ghost Hunter's Corp in the very bare bones stages. And I think they just knew like, all right, this is the time. Like they they've always been working on updates and improvements, but I feel like that kicked them into high gear. Like we need to really come out with these changes because the people behind Ghost Hunters Corp and you know, the own their own phasmophobia fans were asking for these changes for so long. And now the people from Ghost Hunters Corp are gonna come in and they might start off with some of these improvements that we should have, and it's gonna make us look bad, or you know, people might start preferring to play another game than us. So we need to make sure that, you know, we get these changes going. So I think I think personally, right now, phasmophobia is still um in the lead in terms of you know the indie ghost hunter games but there's quite a few that have come out and are coming out um including one that i've been um signed up to be an alpha tester for and uh i watch the developer stream it on twitch every once in a while and it's it's looking pretty similar to phasmo but pretty good at the same time so Hmm. um like you said it'll be interesting to see what happens you know as they continue to implement these changes and all these other games come out um, I really hope that they continue to hold their own in the space because, you know, they're yeah. they were iconic last yeah. year. It's a it's an interesting thing. And people can correct me if I'm wrong that listen to this. But I believe um, the success story of this is um, basically uh, Dead by Daylight survival. Mm-hmm. But they kind of got lucky because that Friday the 13th game got all fucked up with lawsuits and licensing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um that they yep. couldn't improve it 
Um, so they just stayed the course and were able to uh, stay viable. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really interested, and can be final word, and we can see what else you've been playing. But sure. um, as you were talking, all these thoughts were just going in my head. Um, I'm really interested to see, unless if you know, um, what will happen when a AAA studio picks up the ghost hunting thing? Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like how Warzone basically just, you know, punted PUBG off the, everybody's mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, be, but if no one does that, just like they, like there's been no 4v1 games um, that any AAA studio has successfully backed. Um, you know, that, that, that's the one thing that'll keep them viable is if they, if a AAA studio doesn't make a good version of what they do, because right. they, they can't compete with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, you know, everything they do, those people can throw millions of dollars at it to make it look much better. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> so, sure. That's a good point. Well, considering uh, Phasmophobia is like one guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, he he's one main developer. I believe he may have brought on one or two other additional developers at this point and um, a larger team, so like an art team and a social media team. So they're a lot larger than they were. But this guy, I think he's in his 20s. Also, I mean, he started out by himself, which is incredible. And he's been really great with updates and coming out with these new ideas and listening to his fans. And they have a Discord. Like I said before, they have a Trello with all their upcoming changes. So they've been very transparent with everybody. Um, I know they are trying to roll out to console. Like They're still in early release. It's been almost a full year since the game has come out. Um, but they are committed to making it the the exact game that they want it to be before releasing it, you know, as a full game. Um, but they do want to make it uh, cross-play enabled so you can play with your friends if you're on console and your friends on PC, uh, which is amazing. I think that's kind of necessary, honestly, for It'll games now. For first, I feel like it's a thing. big thing for for horror games specifically. Yeah. Just and, because and, the gameplay is not so fast-paced that it really matters too much. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And the whole multiplayer thing, I feel like all multiplayer games at this point, you really should be opening it up to crossplay just so everyone everyone wants to play with their friends, you know, yeah. unite, unite PC and console players a little bit more. I think that's really cool. We just need to convince Sony. Right. <laughs> I yeah. hope so. I mean, I guess kind of what you were saying, Mark, with, um, you know, AAA studio doing something similar. I'm hoping that Phasmo can get to the point where they want to be so that they can release and be on console to and maybe then, you know, they might be looking at getting picked up by somebody or, you know, maybe then they're also going to be looking at competition. Who knows? But I just can't wait to be able to play with all of my friends. Um, I have a lot of people that like in my streaming community that want to play and they can't because they're on console. So I, I feel like this is a, a very well-known game in terms of horror at this point. Um, if you go on Twitch and you search for horror, you're going to see a ton of Phasmophobia gameplay. I think they're getting the uh, the media exposure enough to where they can roll out to console and hopefully um, they'd be like Dead by Daylight, maybe, and, you know, be five, six years later, and I think it's six years later, and be, uh, you know, still updating and changing and improving and driving people like me crazy in a good way. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for Phasmo. I, I was really hoping by Halloween that they were going to be rolled out out of early release. But you never know. That might still be on the table. We'll have to we'll have to see. We've got a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, besides Phasmo, um, I've been playing a little bit of Dead by Daylight. They came out with um, the Hellraiser chapter, which is really exciting. Pinhead is someone that I've really wanted to see as a killer. 
Um, in my mind, he's very iconic um, within the Hellraiser series. So um, he is not for me. He is not the kind of killer that I'm good at playing. I tried. It's very complicated. Um, even after watching other streamers play as him and going up against people playing as him, there's just so many things to do. And I'm not one to be able to strategize so complex and also on the spot. Like I can't make snap decisions that are also these complex strategies on how to catch survivors when they're running away from me. I don't know. He, he has a lot of traps and he can like, uh, kind of teleport sprint towards somebody you can like grab people with your hooks he has his box there's just there's so much stuff um i think it's fascinating Blacker. watching yeah i think it's fascinating watching people play as him because it's so impressive to me that someone is good as him um i was like i said i was terrible but um sounds yeah, like that's, he needs a lot of practice yeah he definitely i wish that dbd came out with um they have like custom games but you can't Get into a custom game even by yourself to test out a character and practice because it doesn't let you. You have to be at least with one other person and one of you has to be the killer and one of you has to be a survivor. But I wish there was some kind of practice room where you can go in and you could test out a killer uh, or a survivor before actually getting into a game. But they there could isn't. Take they could take notes from the fighting game community. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a huge part of most fighting games is having a training mode where you can learn a character and their moves. Right. Yeah, they they recent fairly recently with one of their last really big updates, they came out with um kind of like a training mode with an AI killer where you can play a practice game either as the killer against AI survivors or vice versa, which is pretty cool. I, I went through that. Um and I can appreciate that because it's more helpful in my eyes as a beginner um when I'm remembering back when I first started playing the game than their very basic tutorial was. Um, but I still wish there was something to just give you some practice because they implemented MMR system now, which is, I believe they said in a recent Q, uh, Q and a as of last week, the MMR system looks at it as survivors because it's an asymmetric, asymmetrical game. This, the survivors have one win per game. So if they survive the MMR system counts that as a win, um, if they die, it counts it as a loss. And then if they escape through the hatch, they count it as like a draw, like nothing. Whereas the killer has an opportunity to get four wins in a game. Uh, for every survivor that they kill, that's a win. And then for every survivor, I guess, that leaves, that's a loss in, in the system's eyes. And that's where the MMR ranking comes in. Um, so it, it weighs pretty heavily, I guess, on your ranking, your matchmaking now, depending on how well you do each game, if you win or if you lose. So it's... I know a lot of people are really frustrated with the game right now, kind of myself included, because I've gotten into games where I just I feel like I'm not matched up with people who are the same skill level. Luckily for me, as of right now, it feels like I'm much better at the game than a lot of the people I'm going up against and as the killer anyway. And I don't think that's really an enjoyable experience to be going so up against better. a killer who, yeah, got close to red ranks and I can I'm pretty decent at it. I'm not I'm not amazing, but um, you could just tell the way people are reacting when I'm around. Like they don't know how to play at all. So I'm like, oh. man, this is kind of broken right now. So we'll see how that continues to hopefully improve. They've been very on the fence about MMR for quite some time. And over the past, I want to say year, they were testing it without telling anyone and just seeing people's feedback to the matchmaking. And it was always really negative. 
Um, so I don't know how people feel about it now. I, I feel like it's been very, very much of a miss every game that I get in. Um, they took away ranking used to be from one to 20. One was the best 20 was like the worst essentially, or you were like a big, a beginner essentially, or you, you didn't play a lot and it always reset on the 13th of the month. And you would go back to the, um, the level. So basically it was like one through four was red ranks, five through nine was purple ranks. So it grouped it into color ranks. So on the 13th of every month, if you were in red ranks, if you were a rank one, you would default back to the next rank, the lowest number of that next color group. But now on the 13th of the month, you could be a red rank and you go all the way back to the end. So everyone's like beginner level because it's MMR now and they're looking at your wins and your losses. It's just, it's a mess right now. Everyone's trying to get back to, it's not called red rank anymore. It's called something else, but everyone wants to be that great rank again. And they're playing like really, really like there's tunneling and face camping and slugging and all of this, like kind of, I guess in some eyes it's toxic in other people's eyes, it's a strategy, but it's just, it's very frustrating for a lot of players to deal with this extra aggressive gameplay, because even though it doesn't matter what rank you are anymore because of the MMR system, people still think they need to be that that rank one, whatever it's called now. Yeah, so it's extremely competitive. It's just, it's kind of crazy. I, I don't know. I haven't played it in a little while again, um, as much as I have been. I mean, since you guys talked to me last, I've obviously played it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's really going because I haven't played it that much, but been wild yeah you just got to be the f- absolute bottom rank and be a, a three prestige meg thomas and you yeah. have, you're playing the game correctly <laughs> exactly yep so yeah it's it's been it's been something well we'll see uh they came out with a pinhead skin for the chatterer if anyone out there is a hellraiser fan um they have chatterer and then i'm not sure if they're coming out with anyone else the other two um from hellraiser but i thought that was cool um and then really quick i've also been playing ghost hunters corp on and off that game is kind of difficult so i only play it when i have a full team to play with um it's it's different enough from phasmo where it doesn't feel like i'm playing the same game or or a carbon copy of phasmo so i can appreciate it for what it is it's um it's i think it's a little bit more boring than phasmo and it still scares the crap out of me but ghost hunters corp is more of like there's more of like a speed run capability to it where if you have all the protection items you can kind of sprinkle them around and the ghost gets blocked in a certain area and you can use the process of elimination to figure out what kind of ghost it is depending on it if you're not getting the evidence because sometimes the game is broken since it's still an early release um you can kind of like flub your way through figuring out what the kind of ghost it is without actually trying so I don't know. It's it's fun. It just needs a lot of improvement still. Um, and then I played a little bit of Pokemon Unite still. They added, I believe, three new Pokemon. I know Blastoise was one. I think Clefairy might be one. And I don't remember what the third one is. It might be a newer Pokemon. But um, that game's still going strong. It's still a lot of fun. Um, and then I played Devour, which I don't know if I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, but Devour is so much fun. It's, I believe, $5 right now on, on Steam. So if you guys have been looking for a really good horror game to play, um, again, you do need a team for this game because it is very difficult to not be on a team when you play. But Devour is a lot of fun. It's very scary. Um, 
It's sort of like if Phasmo and Dead by Daylight had a baby, except you aren't the um, the ghost or the demon or whatever it is that's that's chasing you throughout the game. You're basically one of the four survivors, if you want to put it that way. Um, but it's fast paced. It's kind of like a little bit of a puzzle game. Um, it's a lot of fun. I won't say too much about it. You know, there's plenty of you know gameplay out there if anyone's interested in playing. But it's it's scary. It's a great it's a great little horror game. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. A lot of a lot of horror with a little sprinkling of Pokemon in my life <laughs> right now. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad glad to have you back on here and hear uh, hear all of your your Phasmo woes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. It's been a long time. All right, Mark, what do you got for us? Uh, well, since I'm probably going to end on a, a long spoiler run, um, do you want to go first so sure. we can lead right into the? Sure. Speaking of broken things, I'm gonna I'm gonna rant a little bit right now. Oh, do uh, So we usually play Halo on Wednesday oh. for for our streams, and I loaded up Halo like I normally do, and we went to go play. And for some reason, it was telling me that I didn't have any of the DLCs downloaded, which is all the, the multiplayer option. I said, okay, well, I'll just hit install on all of them. I did that. Still nothing. Still didn't work. Mm-hmm. I deleted Halo altogether and re-downloaded it. I'm doing this while we're trying to stream, by the way. And it still was telling me the same thing. Turns out it's a widespread problem. And... I- I have no way of playing multiplayer for Halo right now. I just have no way of doing it. I, can't, I I guess the only way I could probably do it is on my Xbox, but that is not in my streaming area. So uh, it's it's a it's an annoying little thing that Halo the the 343 has not figured out yet. Which I hope they figure it out because you know you got way bigger things coming in the next couple of months, and they need to they need to get their shit together. So. We'll probably not be playing Halo this week if you're listening to this when it comes out. Uh, just a heads up, you should probably download Back for Blood tomorrow so we can play that because it okay. will be out on Game Pass this Wednesday. Uh, so that that's my little rant. The other rant is how terrible I am at video games now. Uh, <laughs> I was playing, I've been playing Deathloop and I've been playing at an hour where my mind does not work as well as it normally would. I'm playing... I, I I just got a, a a new puppy, so I I don't really have time to play games during the day like I used to. And now that I'm playing at night, um, it's like my brain just doesn't work as well as normal. I'm making up excuses here, but it really that's what it is. And I there's a mission in the beginning of the game where you have to kill a um Mark. What are they called? In terms of. Oh, the um, um, visionaries. Yeah. So you have to kill a visionary and her power is that she can replicate herself. So there's like, <laughs> so there's like 10 of her. I had to do this stupid mission about six times. And I even did the thing where I, I, I turned it off and went away and came back to it. And I was still having problems with it. God bless <laughs> turrets. Well, that's what I did. I eventually decided I'm just going to carry turrets with me everywhere and just have them kill her whenever I need to. And I actually managed to kill her at one point, but there was another turret set up somewhere else that was shooting at me, and it killed me after I killed her. So I killed all of her versions, and then I died, and I didn't I didn't finish the mission. So I had to do it all over again. Towards the end, I was like, screw it. I'm just I'm going guns blazing. I really don't even care. Because in the beginning, I was like sneaking around and trying to be smart about it. And I'm like, by time run through five, I was like, screw this. I'm just going to shoot her with everything I have 
and I don't care. I'm just I'm just so over it at this point. I, I, I see you learned that lesson that opens up the rest of the game for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just you can sneak around when you want, but if you just need to start going loud, just go loud. I'm gonna do. I'll that talk about that more in my segment coming. I'm I'm definitely gonna do that more now on, from now on because I just had such a bastard of a time trying to sneak around and be like get stealth kills and stuff. I I'm not good at sneaking around games. I like Assassin's Creed. That's one thing. But when you have guns available to you, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use the guns because I'm I can shoot I can pretty well shoot in a video game. But oh that that pissed me off so bad having to do that so many times. Because it'd be one thing if you were going to kill one person or two people, but having to kill 10 of the same person over and over and over was like, I wanted to, I was just like, wanted to punch myself in the face because it was, it was just so frustrating. And I haven't felt that way about a video game in a long time. And I'm not even playing on like a hard difficulty or anything. It's just, there's was, not even difficult in that game. Right. It's, it was just like, this is, this is ri- ridiculously difficult for me for some reason right now. I don't know why, but I eventually beat it, and I was like, "All right, I need to take a break from Deathloop for a little while because that was the dumbest thing ever. That it should not have been that difficult." So I bought Cruise and Blast for the Switch. Nice, a game that is literally no thinking. It's all arcade fun, and it was exactly what I needed. It was like that that little that that little palate cleanser to get me through to the next games that are coming and it's a lot of fun and i got it for like 30 bucks because best buy was doing a deal where they they were offering a 10 dollar gift card with it so i got it for like 30 bucks and it was it it's been so much fun it's so goofy it's like very clearly an arcade game that was like we're just going to make this as ridiculous as possible and i love it I love every second of it. Um, it's pretty cool in how you can you can upgrade cars like you can in all pretty much all the cruising games. Once you win like a uh, a championship, you can then upgrade your car. So your cars level up in this, so you can just upgrade them as soon as they hit a certain level. You get you can upgrade them with with tokens, or there's also keys you have to collect, so you can upgrade them that way. And you can make it look like something out of Fast and the Furious from two thousand you know two thousand two have it have flames and neon and everything else in it it's just it's goofy fun and if you like arcade racers i highly recommend it um because there's of course there's nos in it why wouldn't there be that's the that's the blast part the cruising blast blast is like your your nitrous so um that's pretty much all i've been playing because i've been trying to fix this stupid halo issue a week now and still (laughs) nothing i put in a ticket with with on halo support nothing they're like try this try this try this i'm like i tried i tried all of this the first like day when it was a, a problem just get me to whatever your end your end game is i'm tired of, tired of trying stuff that i know is not gonna work <sighs> all right that's my rant over all right <laughs> go ahead mark all right so i will um uh let me pick up so we have a little space between the death loop talk um I played um, FIFA 22, um, as is well known in this podcast. I probably play for Power Cleanser sports games, mostly Madden and FIFA. It's probably going to be a lot more FIFA this year, as I'll get to in a second, because Madden is complete trash. Um, oh, what a surprise. Yeah, it's real bad. Um, but FIFA, um, outside of if 
I don't even fuck with the, you know, ultimate team and all that, you know, really icky nonsense that's on that part of the game. Um, I just go through and do the normal, you know, play through like career as a manager or whatever. And I got to say, this doesn't seem like it should be an automatic, but uh, the soccer is good this year. The actual soccer is good. That's that's is, good. That I mean, considering yeah. that's most of the game, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. The reason I'm saying that is because a lot of the time in previous ones, I mean, last year's was pretty good. This year's is actually probably until I start to learn the more base, the more advanced controls is probably exactly where I want it to be um, in terms of, uh, you know, when you fuck up um, and there isn't too much of a oh, there's no way that hit that guy, you know, sort of moments. Yeah. Um, the two major improvements and this will sound weird. um, is that the game feels a little slower, which it helps with the realism, you know, in terms of it feels more like you actually have to make soccer plays <laughs> to, just to, to score goals. You know, you're not just, you know, speed passing and, you know, doing all kinds of things that wouldn't really happen in soccer. And uh, two, um, the goalies seem a lot better at the medium level. Um, like if you're playing on like what would normally be medium there's two levels that sort of float there um sometimes the goalies would react way late to every shot no matter what um this this year i've had a lot of fingertip saves and you know little like things that they wouldn't have got to before um so that was an improvement you'd have to go up to the higher levels to where i would get my ass kicked by the ai to even have a goalie be a goalie um the free kick stuff is great the corner stuff has gotten much better i actually have gotten some shots on goals off headers, which never happens in the last few games. Um, yeah, the uh, the transfer stuff is still, I don't get really how to do it. They try to improve it every year, but it's just sort of like me going, oh, what guy do I want? Um, let me see if I can spend all the money for that guy. Um, there's no strategy. Like, they try this whole thing where you can scout guys and find the next guy out of nowhere, but I'm not, I don't play enough seasons for that bullshit to work out. Um, but the thing they did do that I took full advantage of is when you begin your career, you can do a thing called the financial boon um, where you can give yourself extra money um, to spend on transfers. And I just gave myself a billion dollars, um, which nice. sounds like a lot. Um, but in soccer, when some of the top players in the world, you have to pay like upwards to nine figures for them or more and that or not or more, but like low nine figures to like 300,000, 300 million. Um, that money, that extra money gets eaten up pretty quickly if you want to get star players. Um, but it was pretty funny. I was like, how high does this bar go? And it went up to a billion. I was like, oh, I have to do this. This is just going to confuse the hell out of the game. Um, it gives you the option. You can't, you can't be yeah. mad. They can't be yeah. mad. At you. Yeah, exactly. They, they, what screws up the game is like, you, you do these interviews, um, like press conferences and stuff, post game, pre game. A lot. And every so often a question comes up because I spent all this money. It was like, so you've brought in 16 new players. Um, what do you think that do for the chemistry? Um, like, given the fact that half of those guys might be the best players in the world, I'd say we're going to do pretty good um, reaction. But uh, I fucked up with the coach. I didn't get to dress her in any crazy shit. Maybe I can edit coach at some point no um, no goofy hats no it was just a girl with uh, a lady with a uh, nice uh zip up like quarter zip um uh fleece thing with the logo on it and a ponytail 
um, because she's a sporty girl and always wears ponytails. Uh, as me and Jen have described while watching the Resident Evil trailer. Yep. Um, and, you know, but final statement on this. If you really love soccer, this game is better than last year's game. Um, the crowd reactions are better. There's more buildup. And you can tell, um, like, the crowd realizes, like, um, you know, as you're getting closer to a goal, um, it just doesn't do an explosion when you score. Um, you know, so that that was really fun that they're starting to get that stuff down. So. Um, if you don't fuck with Ultimate Team, this game is very much worth. Um, if you still spend sixty dollars on it, I think it's worth it. I pay for game the uh, Origin thing to get it for free. So um, because the yearly cost of that is equal to buying two games, and I only play two games, and um, all the other games that come with it are extra. Like it takes two, for example. Um, and life is random. I forget. There's another game, but. You know, if you don't have the Origin stuff or EA Play or you don't want to wait the six months for Game Pass to have it, um, I think it's worth the money. Now back into Deathloop. Um, I am almost finished with the game. Um, I know when and where to kill all eight people. Um, and I figured out the big mysteries in the game, which I'm not going to spoil for Tom. Thank you. Um, but I have two more of the visionary quests to finish. Um, one of them's a fucker. Um, just... Uh, just because of the amount of enemies that surround this visionary, um, trying to get to him. And then the other one is just a mission where you got to go back and forth to this thing and bring them different things. Um, but once I finish those, I should be able to go. Um, I'm almost all the way done, the final visionary one. Um, I just got to get to the location. I was there last time, but just couldn't get past these two guards um, and to set it up. But... Um, yeah, I think I got all the powers except one, which is this guy's power. But there's only two that the way I play, I really need. Um, and it was the one I didn't think I would use. There was one I thought I would use all the time, but I haven't. Um, just because the way I play does not require it. It is a very, very good game. It may be my game of the year, um, which is going to be surprising after my next game discussion. Um, because the gameplay is so smooth. The story is actually really good for what you would expect for a game like um the you know a time loopy game like this um characters are real good the voice acting's great um the concept while a little weird maybe once i get the full story i'll get it um is actually pretty solid um so yeah death loop is really worth the wait um i just wish it was cross play so that i could invade some of um our friend jonathan's games on pc um since i'm playing it on the ps5 uh because I have to have a game on there to justify having that PS5. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So, that's it. We'll have full spoilers once Tom's done at some point in the next six months. Um, yeah. To, to talk about it. Uh, but I do really, really like that game. And um, not that it's really my place status as a person not of this. But it was really nice to see, um, you know, two lead characters uh, that were persons of color. Um, that didn't go and in, fall into any tropes of that fact, um, and which is really an accomplishment in, in video games, to be honest. Um, so thumbs up there. Um, so the game I beat, and while why I am kind of slightly emotional wreck um, doing this podcast, um, I finished Life is Strange, True Colors. That game is really good. It's probably my favorite Life is Strange game. And um, the first one was my game of the year. So that is high, high praise um, here. So um, I think what makes me like this better is the characters in the story are a little older. So there's less of that high school creep factor um, in it. 
and um, and it was much easier to um, figure out your path to the story um, rather than trying to do what they were like guiding you to. Um, so yeah, that's why that's that's the main thing here. I think I'm I'm listen, I'm starting to listen to some spoiler casts to see if there's anything I missed. Um, you know of the other of the other polls. Um, and uh, or other endings, I should say, and just see if you know uh, if it's as as polarizing as the Life is Strange ending is with the Bay versus Bay conversation. Um, but this one, um, I'll go into some slight spoilers. So if Tom wants to sort of write down the time period here, um, so that he can put it in the show notes. Um, so um, a little silence. Okay. Um, so obviously. For anybody that's played this game, listen to the spoiler part. You choose Steph, 100%. It is a great love story, and she is probably my favorite character that has ever been um, in a Life is Strange game. I'm excited to go back and play Before the Storm, which I did not play originally, um, which is the DLC to Life is Strange, um, and just see, you know, um, if they uh, were just as good writing that character for this. Um, the whole story... What I like the most about it is at every point when you had to make a big time decision um, in the game, um, it was almost I only struggled with like two of them. Um, the first one is easy. Um, you're letting a girl Riley in town know that her boyfriend's a piece of shit and that she should break up with him because uh, he sucker punched your brother um, because he thought she they were sleeping together. Um and he tried to lie to her and say that the brother started it. So that was an easy, nope, uh, fuck him. <laughs> and you guys can break up. Um, there's another one where you, um, little boy is going to an old mine in town. And you decide to tell his parents instead of letting him go off to the old mine in town <laughs> by himself. Um, that was easy. Um, and then the, the couple that I uh, struggled with was there's one where there's a really great scene. Um, there's two really great sections of this game. Um, one hit a little personal close to home. One of the characters, Eleanor, in the game um, is uh, suffering from uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, she um, you know, runs the flower shop. So um, you go in there and you see that she's just like completely forgotten what she was supposed to be doing. And you sort of walk her through it because, um, oh, if I didn't mention... The, the main character in this game, her superpower is that she has the power of, of empathy. Like she can feel like other people's feelings as if, if they were her own. Um, so you walk through this whole thing of guiding this woman, trying to have her remember. And it was just something um, going through that, um, you know, in, in my life with my grandmother, um, you know, hit very close to home. And he did a really good job of, um, Getting that right of the feeling of being the person on the other side of that, um, trying to be the helper, um, and just the little things um, there. So that was really good. Um, so the choice of telling the girl, her her granddaughter, who was going off to college um, to be an engineer, you know, letting her know that, hey, your uh, grandma is, you know, kind of, you know, has Alzheimer's and maybe you shouldn't go. Um, um, was a, uh, pseudo tough decision, but at the end I was like, I would want to know. Um, and it could be very dangerous for this woman to, to be home alone. Um, and the other great part, which sounds really dumb, um, there is a whole LARPing scene segment of this game. Oh. Um, that's interesting. 
<laughs> because there's this little kid who's really into drawing comic books and he's creating these stories. So this Beth, the, you know, we should do Angel Harps, um, has created, she's like runs D&D games and she's created this LARPing campaign for this kid um, so they can have fun with it, which takes on a whole emotional thing after your brother dies um, in the first episode, um, which sets off the whole mystery um, of uh, how you're going to figure out that the, you know, big evil corporation mining company did it um, or ignored some or, you know, something that led to his death. Um, so the kid doesn't really want to do it. So you go through most of the third episode, which is my favorite episode of the ser- of the thing. Um, and it, it literally you're going around and um, you're dressed as a bard. He's this fighter um, and you're collecting scrolls and. You know, you go to um, you, you fight like the enemies and it's like and it turns into like a uh, uh, turn based RPG, like side scroller, like 2D um, thing when you're in the battle scenes um, and you choose like fight and, you know, all that stuff. And you go through and then you get creative ways to get out of it. Um, and then you, so you don't have to fight everybody. Uh, and then, uh, so you go through the whole thing. My favorite part was you go to the record store that Steph works at, and um, and she's obviously her place is the most decked out looking um, thing, and uh, you know, and that is where you can do the first thing of of initiating your relationship with her, where you uh, say that you would um, to get the special stone you need to get from her, you would offer your hand in marriage, and you sort of just say you know, sort of wink, wink, nod, nod. Like, this is, like, out of game two um, to her. And, yeah, so you go through the whole thing, and you're using your special power to sort of, these people are having a ton of fun playing this game. Um, and, you know, you sort of hear that, uh, you know, Steph was really excited about your proposal thing, and it's kind of great. Um, and then the final scene is he he's going, and he gets this sword that he's been writing in the comic that his character's been looking for. So they make up a whole like King Arthur master sword thing. It's like in a tree stump um, and you've been collecting three stones that go into it to make it powerful. And then when he picks it up, um, this explosion of the the joy empathy that you see in the game happens. And then you turn into like a realistic, like medieval scene, like it, your outfit turns, you know, into an actual bard outfit. He gets armor and all that. And then the big boss comes, which is the. Um, owner of the bar, and it turns into sound effects and all. Very, very right. much Final Fantasy VII. You know the clicking. Yes, yeah, Square developed it. So the clicking to ch- to go to the different menus um, in the battle are the same, and all that stuff. Um, so you know you could tell that they had their fingers in this a little. So that was great. Much more than I was expecting after the first two episodes. Um, so and then we get to the end, and by the end, I was I was like, fuck this corporation. We're going to take them down. Really well done at the end. And they do something um, that might be interesting to you guys. Um, they have a thing where if someone's feeling a really strong emotion, she figures out she has the power. She can sort of just take it away from them and sort of bring it That's on herself, um, which um, leads to um, a thing. If you take it away from the one person uh, that was your brother's girlfriend and the little kid's mother. And she's sort of blaming everyone for his death, especially her son. Like she says, I hate my son because he's not here anymore because of him. Because the kid had run off and that's how he got into the to the situation where he died. Right. Um, and, you know, you take the power away from her and then it sort of becomes like 
when you give someone like too much medication for like depression or something and they're just like i should feel something but i i just don't you know like like you took a part of her um which was really interesting um that because there's two situations where you do it one is very obvious uh, that you should do it and this one was a little iffy and i decided to do it i'm wondering only because what it made it sound like was if i didn't do it she's like going to kill herself um so it was like no no i don't want that to happen <laughs> give me that yeah um, but yeah so the game is really deep and 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 um you know uh, emotional in ways you weren't expecting um i wouldn't say it's like oscar worthy you know stuff like that but um just some of the emotional things hit me um but like i said it it may end up being number two on my list because death loop is just that good um but i recommend it for um you know uh anyone who likes these type of games i spoiled most of the story but i just read i read an article recently that spoilers actually enhance your enjoyment of media Um, you don't have to you don't have anxiety about what's going to happen yeah yeah, so you can go out there and, and enjoy it. But I think the emotion is enough, and then I left enough um, in there that um, I think you'll get some good enjoyment um, out of the game. So that is My Life is Strange. Um, spoiler rant and all that, and I just hope they continue doing these games in the future, uh, just because it is up in the air uh, whether Deck Nine, who did this, will take it on, because I know Dote Not is just like, nope, Life is Strange. Who is that? What's her name? You know, sort of with the series now which is sad. But yeah, right. so that's all I've been playing. Um, now that that's done, and I'm probably going to finish Deathloop soon, um, I have on my list, I have Lost and Random downloaded, um, you know, uh, uh, thinking of Far Cry 6, but like I do with all Far Cry games, I probably think about it, but never buy it. Um, and then I think there's a, a couple games, I got to look at the schedule to see what's coming out. Um that I'd want to jump on. But yeah, these were the two big ones I want to get out of the way before the end of the year. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Uh we're gonna have a lot more stuff to play, you know, coming soon. November. We'll start to get some stuff. But yeah, so we have had a rather busy weekend. Uh we all attended different conventions. Jen and Mark attended New York Comic Con for pretty much the whole weekend, right? Between the both of us, yeah. Yeah. Hey. And I went to too many games in Philadelphia on Sunday. Uh, I'll let you guys go go ahead and recap your time in uh, New York. I'm sure you guys did a lot more than I did, so I'll uh, I'll let you guys get uh, get through all that. Okay. Um. So New York Comic Con. I personally have gone with my husband. I believe it's been 13 years, any somewhere between 13 and 15 years. I'm not quite sure. And then that makes me feel old. So I'm not going to get into specifics any more than that. But um, we've been going for a long time, obviously, last year because of the pandemic. It didn't happen. So I was very excited about going this year. Um, they did wind up having to be pretty strict with... Um, you know, requiring vaccines and requiring masks just because the whole state of New York decided that they were going to implement these changes in August after tickets went on sale. So I know a lot of people um, were in a really tough spot. They either couldn't go because they medically could not be vaccinated and there was no op- option if you were an adult. It was either you're vaccinated and you come or you don't come. Um, so I know a lot of people were in a tough spot because of that. Um, people were not able to resell their tickets because so many people were just kind of thrown off by these new mandates that came out after tickets were already purchased. So it was a big thing. Um, 
a lot of vendors dropped out, a lot of guests, you know, were on the fence if they were going to show up or not. And everyone, including myself, I think was kind of worried that it was going to be just this hollow experience that we were paying a ton of money for and that we were going to get there and it was just not going to be great. Um, I will I, say before you sure. get into the convention itself, um, the whole uh, needing a vaccine to get into places and stuff like that wasn't a problem at all. Yeah, I didn't. As long as you're, you know, vaccinated and, you know, have done your part and all that, it's just as quick. Like you guys had an app. Uh, me and Aunt uh, brought physical, our physical vaccinations because um, we have them in things that are, you know, protecting them and stuff like that. Um, you just show that. And if it's a bar, you show that in your ID, which makes the app better. The app has your ID and um, the, the card on there. So you get in, um, you know, there was no issues. Nobody fought with anything that I could see. Um, yeah, it was. And it the town felt the same as it did when we were there in 2019. I don't know how you felt, but, you know, it didn't feel like that was hindering anything when we went out to eat and stuff. I, I agree. I think um, I was a little nervous because obviously not being a New York resident, um, we couldn't use the same app that we have in New Jersey here. And then we also couldn't use the exclusive New York one. So it was there was a little bit of research involved, I think, to kind of figure out, like, this is how it is. And this is what we have to make sure we do as being, you know, people who are visiting. Um, I agree overall, um, whether we were going into the convention or, um, you know, going into restaurants or bars, um, you know, after the convention, it was just very, it was very smooth. Like Mark said, it was easy. Nobody gave anyone a hard time. It was just like everyone understood the situation and did their part. Um, the only thing that I will say, and I'm not sure how businesses outside of the Javits Center operate, uh, with this, but if you're medically unable to get a vaccine and you are an adult, um, being turned away from New York Comic Con with no other option was, and it obviously it didn't personally affect me, but I think that's kind of disappointing because I know that so many people who can't get the vaccine, who bought tickets, were in a really tough spot because of that. Um, and they weren't giving them the option. Like if you were under 12, you could, you had to show proof of, of um, a negative COVID test within 72 hours, I believe. That that option wasn't extended towards adults who could not be vaccinated medically. Um, so that was very unfortunate. But I mean, overall, looking at it big picture, I think it went very smoothly considering all of these mandates were dropped on everyone, you know, about yeah. two months before the convention, long after you could get your money back, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, um, that, that sucks for folks who couldn't be vaccinated and they had they'd already bought tickets. That, right. I mean, that's, that sucks. But yeah. I mean... Big picture, it's kind. Of, I mean, people people want to be want to feel protected, so I sure. don't blame them for having that stringent thing. Right, they did what they had to do, um, and we were talking about this, you know, while we were there. But because the mandates were set by the state and this had nothing to do with the people running the convention at all, they knew basically it was either going to come to the point where if they had so many people getting their money back and canceling their tickets and just waiting till next year, they were either going to lose their money in that regard, or if they just canceled the convention and let people just roll over into 2022, then they were looking at still owing the Javits Center the yeah. entire amount that they would if the convention was going on. So, I mean, the people in charge of the Comic-Con were really, their hands were tied. Um, yeah. There's so always I think, so much you can do. Right. I think considering all of the hindrances that are still going on, I think they did a good job. Um, 
They had, as Mark said, you know, you could pull up an app. They they asked everyone to please download this app called Clear, and it stores your ID and it stores your vaccine card. And you go into the app, you select the event that's uh, that's accepting it, and you literally just had to show them your phone. Everything was like a two. It was, took two seconds. They gave you a wristband, and then you went to the actual entrance of the Javits Center, and they let you in. It was it was actually very smooth. Um, even if it was up to capacity as 2019 was, um, which I believe they cut it down to about half of what that was um, in the first place. But even if it was at full capacity, I feel like having it split up like that, just like not one giant wave of people all trying to get in at once, kind of like, you know, sectioned where some people were getting their um, wristbands and then some people were getting in. It just kind of made it go even more smooth than it normally did. Yeah. Um, so I think I think in that regard, it was good. I felt safe the whole time. Everyone, for the most part, everyone had masks on. If you were eating or drinking, you were sitting down and you took your mask off. But other than that, I mean, there was room to walk around the show floor, which if anyone listening has ever been to New York Comic Con, you would know that it is nearly impossible up until, you know, 2019, 2020. It was almost impossible to be able to walk through the show floor, extending your arms out to the side and not crushing your arms against another person's face. Like there's confirm. no room to walk. Can confirm. I was there in 2000. I don't know. Like 11, 2011, something Some, like that. Something like that. Was, yeah. It was still like that. So I can only yeah. imagine that it's gotten way worse. Yep. And we were able to do that on Friday. We, uh, we went up to the show floor and I literally like held my arms out and I was like, Oh my gosh, like I haven't been able to do that. I can't even remember when yeah. I've been able to do this. Um, so Friday, Friday was good. Um, it was very empty from what Fridays are usually like. I heard Thursday was even more empty and Thursday is always like the most empty day out of all four days that they have it. Thursday was totally dead. I heard, um, I feel like I didn't see that many cosplayers on Friday, which was fine. Um, but it was just a totally, and you could jump in at any point as yeah. well. Yeah. Friday is the one day I can speak on. Um, yeah. the fun part was, was, um, Apparently, you know, a lot of the cosplayers um, took as part of their costumes the mask mandate part, which is kind of yep. fun and interesting um, and cre creative. Um, um, I still know there were a bunch of people with Spider-Man mask, and I thought you weren't allowed to do that. But apparently, I guess so. Yeah, um, I will say once people got in the doors, I think some of yeah. them did switch their medical mask for a Spider-Man mask or, you know. Yeah, whatever. We layered them, but people weren't yeah. too strict about that part. Yeah, yeah. So that that was a little interesting to see, um, you know. And the, the the fun part was the the cosplays that were out there. Um, there were some really good ones. Um, there were some that was like really, um, you know, we're taking advantage of maybe there being a little more space. Um, mm -hmm. So there was a guy that was basically a, an entire line of blocks from Super Mario game. Yes. Um, <laughs> going in there. Um, so, but yeah, the the best part about the the thing was that I never felt like I need to push past people or would lose you guys easily mm -hmm. um, in the crowd. Um, but the the one disappointing thing um, was there didn't seem to be a lot of um, video game booths there. Um, there was not. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think they had this one section where you could play computer games and do some kind of competition. Mm -hmm. um there but there wasn't like the thing like the resident evil 2 thing or in years past where you could play dmc5 and 
you know, all this like stuff. There was some of that, but it was more indie and more a lot more anime focused video games, um, which which isn't one of the genres I would stand in line two hours for. Um, but outside of that, everything felt about the same. Like there was vendors, except I'm really can't wait for pop cap figures to just, or whatever it's called. Um, just to be, yeah, just to be gone, please. It's not happening anytime soon. No, Uh, I hate to break it everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. Well, yeah, Yeah. they're so, they're so easy to, to make. So they're, they're just going to be everywhere forever. Um, there were some cool things. Um, uh, you know, the, some of the foam sword stuff looked really good. There were some real swords there. Um, uh, I don't know if Jen ever bought her energy sword or not. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the I did come away with a really good, like, 3D pop art sort of thing of the map of the light world from Legend of Zelda, uh, Link to the Past. Um, yeah, so, cool. so it was pretty good. They had three choices. They had that. They had the master sword area. With him pulling the Master Sword out or starting that animation and the title screen. Um, I think the map was the best one. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a chance to go around and ask if they had the Dark World version. Maybe they'll have that next year. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, a lot of the stuff it was just a lot of the same stuff up there. Um, the wrestlers, the wrestling thing was fun because when you walked around, AEW had a booth and, you know, I, I think WWE didn't have anything there. Um, but like, You'd walk by the AEW booth and they were like, oh, there's autograph sessions going on in the autograph area. Oh, it's the only place you'll see them. And then you walk by that booth and there's like three wrestlers there. And I'm like, they didn't even advertise these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, Shivani was there for like eight hours, Tom, from wow. like when we walked in until we Good left. You're <laughs> just there just talking to people like the fans as they went by, That's awesome. um, you know, and MJF was the best. Um, guy sat down to take the photo with him at the table, and you know, these guys all smile and happy. And right before the photo snaps, MJF just puts the middle finger in his face. <laughs> um, and then so the next guy, like two people later, sat down and thought it'd be funny to do it to him, too. So instead of just flipping him off back, uh, MJF just put the hand up that had the ring on it and just put it on his mouth like he was kissing it. Um, I love that he's. A kayfabe villain. There's, he was flo- he's the only one who can get away with it at this point. Yeah. He was floating in and out of it. Um, uh, because the, the, when he was talking to the people, he would, you know, ask questions like cosplays that walked by, you know, things. But then if anybody like reacted back to him, he just went into MJF mode um, <laughs> and would be kind of a dick. But but yeah, the, the middle finger thing was great because it was all perfectly timed. And um you know that that stuff. It was it was weird seeing that kind of presence for them there because um, I think they started after the last convention, so it was the first one. Yeah. Um, and seeing that the wrestlers seemed really into it, you know, the couple of them that didn't need to be there were there. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So Friday was great. Um, we got a new bit amongst our friends now that I hate art apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because when we were walking around Artist Alley. Um, I was like, well, this is your part of the convention to Dan and Jen. Yeah. Um, and, and it was like, what? You hate art? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, well, that's one now. Um, yeah. But yeah, the uh, Artist Alley was good. I, I, You'll probably agree with me here, Jen, and you can probably expand on it for Saturday and Sunday. Um, it felt a lot better walking around Artist Alley than in years past. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel as crowded or as much of... Uh, people wasting the artist's time as you walk by. 
Um, if you, if you know what I mean, like people to just be there and just talking to them, you can tell the artist is kind of like, okay, sort of move on, <laughs> like sort of thing. Um, yeah, it was definitely in um, it was in a different area this time, and they were able to spread out a lot more. And I don't know if it's because they had less artists; it didn't feel like they had less, yeah. but they definitely were able to double the amount of space they had in in the aisles between all the different yeah. artist rows of tables. Yeah, so that helped. Um, Saturday yeah. and Sunday, it was a lot more crowded down there, but there was just a feeling of more space because there was yeah. more space. So it was it was smoother down yeah. there for sure. Yeah. And you felt that the people didn't really like the moving on thing I was mentioning was some of those artists in years past. It felt like to me like they're like, can you go so these people can buy my shit? Oh, <laughs> Instead of just talking to me. Gotcha. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, you know what I mean by that feeling like. <laughs> There's like right. nine people standing at this table. I can't keep chatting with you because they may want to purchase something and you've either purchased something or, or not purchasing anything. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. There were select tables on Sunday, yeah. which was surprising that it was kind of like, okay guys, like there are people in front of me and I really just want to get a print. And these people have been talking to this artist, which is cool. Cause a lot of them are, you know, yeah. they follow them on Instagram and they're like, they're idols, but like, move along now. Like, I really just want to buy a print. I, you could talk to them after I'm done. Yeah. Um, but overall yeah. I didn't feel like I was either yeah. wasting people's time or waiting to get to someone for the most part. So yeah. that was, which nice. is good. Yeah. 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 That, that, that was the main getaway. If, if how Friday was, is how Friday is going to be from now on. I want that Friday, yeah. but I doubt next year it's going to be worse than ever. Um, you know, if we're still not under restrictions and stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, I had fun, and then we had fun in our normal thing of going out and eating at local New York places, not chains. Mm -hmm. um, so, which is always fun. That was and awesome. Then, and then, <laughs> then asking about the spiciness of a Thai dish might be one of my favorite moments <laughs> of the night. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you want to. I'm I'm more curious to just hear what Saturday was like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Saturday, we actually were super looking forward to because we were planning on meeting up with some streamer friends that we've made over the past year that we never got to meet in person. Um, so we got to meet up with Itty Bitty Brit, who's on Twitch. We got to meet up with the 607 podcast guys. Uh, they also have a Twitch account, OD Parlay Hour. Um, it was just, we met up with Tia, their friend Kelly from uh, Geese Vibe Nation. So it was so nice to meet up with friends that we knew virtually in, in essence um, and to see them in person. It was just like, we, we had been friends for, you know, a long time already, but to meet them in person was just so cool. Um, so we spent a lot of time just hanging out with them and talking with them and just getting to know them in person, which was awesome. But overall the convention itself was a lot more crowded on Saturday, which we expected. Um, there was a lot more cosplayers, which made me a little bit sad that I didn't cosplay. Um, on Friday, seeing not that many people cosplaying and, you know, a lot more room to walk around. I was like, you know what? It's OK that I was casual this year, you know, taking a break from it all. I was too busy anyway to do anything. Um, but Saturday made me a little like there. I had that FOMO a little bit, <laughs> um, but it was it was good. Uh, I'm trying to think there was actually a really big AEW panel that our friends attended. Um, they said that it was awesome. Um, so there was there was a bunch of panels. Um, the, they had the food trucks as always, which are outside, uh, they were packed, um, but they moved through people like the lines moved pretty quickly through those. Um, I'm trying to think the show floor was definitely more crowded than it was on Friday, but you could still walk through it. I mean, you couldn't hold your arms out really 
in most places on Saturday, but you can actually walk where you wanted to instead of kind of being swept with the crowd. Um, <clears throat> because in recent years, you know, you probably couldn't even get down some aisles depending on what was down there. If the crowd was just so crazy that you just had to avoid it because I'm not pushing past people and like standing here for 10 minutes waiting for people to get out of my way for me to look at this table of stuff. It's um, it's it's one of those weird things where I've seen people try it before and it works. They mm -hmm. stood in the in the middle of people and lifted their feet up and moved. Yeah. Like the crowd <laughs> just moved them because everybody's pushing each other. And there's a million freaking people in there. And it's it. that's the one reason I haven't been back to yeah. New York Comic Con. I think if I you did. had come on Friday, you would have been okay. But yeah, it, it's a lot. It's it's overwhelming. If Even if you don't have claustrophobia, like claustrophobia and you attend Comic Con at full mast, it, it you there's no way to enjoy it really when you're on the show floor in a way because it's not even it is, it's not even claustrophobia. It's what's the one with the not fear of yeah, it's like a fear of people. Uh I'm not sure what the phrase is, but yes. <laughs> you that's, that's what I have. You I just want to get away from everybody as fast as you can. I have social anxiety. Yeah. I don't blame it, you. And when you're in that kind of situation, it's it's overwhelming. It's everyone's loud. They're pushing. I mean we were joking around about this. We stepped foot on the show floor on Friday. And like we said, it was super dead. You know, everyone had space to walk and you could stop and then you wouldn't be in anyone's way. And people were still slamming into us because some of these people that go to Comic-Cons, they just have no social awareness. They don't Zero. think about like, oh, I need to walk around this person who is walking on the correct side of the walkway towards me and I'm just in the way. But no, I'm just going to square up and mow them down because I'm running to go get my pop figures. <laughs> like there's always going to be those people there. Um, but overall, it was a lot less of that this year, which is nice. I kind of and I'm probably going to get hate for this, but I kind of hope that they keep the um, capacity down. Oh, They won't do <laughs> that. I know they, they won't. won't. They sure won't because of money, but. It was nice. I think they cut it down to about 150,000 or 155,000 as opposed to like almost 300,000. So they pretty much cut it in half for the most part. Yeah, but if, um, if they if they have the ability to throw all those people in there, Oh yeah. They're going to your ass. They're yep. going to, they're going to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. It was just nice. It kind of felt like, you know, we were back at least on Friday. It felt like we were back in, you know, 2010 or 2009 and it wasn't that bad. Um a lot of big vendors pulled out. So um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Midtown Comics is a really big presence, usually for New York Comic Con. And they have their own store not that far away in the city. But, you know, people enjoyed going to Midtown Comics. They usually had exclusives there, like sales, and you could talk to the guys from the store. So they weren't there. I know a lot of people were upset about that. But there was a ton of other comic book sellers. Um and Funko Pop actually pulled out, which was really surprising to me because, as Mark mentioned they before, they did. I, I Believe didn't it or not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Funko does this big lottery. First of all, they have all these exclusives that they sell at Comic-Con. And then they have a lottery where you can have the chance to buy all these other rare ones that they've brought with them. Um, so that wasn't there. So I know a lot of people were really upset about that because you have a ton of these collectors who... They like hunt them down, essentially, um, you know, and as Mark said, they had all these vendors who were selling Funko Pops 
and you know they're making up their own prices they're pretending that this is an exclusive they're telling you that there's a defect and that this is going to be worth hundreds like they're just talking out of their ass half the time um we'll, we'll get to more yes soon. we will <laughs> But I mean, they didn't have their their big Funko station present, um, and a bunch of other vendors, like I said, pulled out. Um, I was happy T Turtle was there. They're like one of my favorite booths to go visit. Um, they had the T shirt tower, tower of T shirts, whatever they're called. They were, you know, there as always. Funimation was there. They had a big, um, they had a big Dragon Ball Z presence. It was cool. I mean, things were spaced out. They had a lot more places to eat, a lot more food options on the show floor, which they hadn't really had the space for previously. They had a lot of tables um, in the smaller section of the show floor by where like all the wrestlers were. Um, so I think it was kind of nice having all that space where they could, you know, have some tables set up and have more places for people to hang out, maybe like tabletop gaming casually and and all that. So I think overall it was very successful. Um, I'm not a panels person, so I didn't attend any panels other than the cosplay contest on Saturday night, but I heard good things about the panels. Um, I think they had a pretty decent guest attendance, considering that a lot of them joined on at the last minute. Um, they were very pricey, I know, to meet some of these guests, and you had to be behind uh, like a plexiglass divider. Um, but our friends met David Harbour, which was cool. I know Hayden Christensen was there, George Takei, who's usually there. He was there. I think William Shatner was there. Um, half of the cast of The Boys was there, and they did a big panel. Um, some people from Outlander were there. That was pretty cool. Um, there was a pretty decent presence. A lot of voice actors were there. As Mark said, there was a ton of wrestlers that weren't even announced, um, which was cool. So I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't hear about any uh, surprise. Um, surprised uh, celebrities that showed up. I know 2019 Margot Robbie walked in the door, and everyone freaked out. Um, so I don't know if any of them did that this year. I know the voice actress who ashes, uh, who voices Ash Ketchum from Pokemon. She was running around taking pictures with all the Ash Ketchum cosplayers That's and surprising awesome. them. Yeah. Cause she had her mask on. So they didn't know who she was. And then she was like, take it off in the end. And they were like, Oh my God. So she did like a thing on TikTok with that, which was cute. But, um, yeah, I think overall it was successful. It was fun. Um, we walked away with a, a decent amount of stuff. I got a, a lounge fly backpack, a Sailor Moon backpack. Um, I didn't get my energy sword, but one of my complaints that has been a thing for the last few years uh, because of psycho people is that the weapons that are sold at Comic-Con are a lot less cool than they used to be. Um, they're all like the cheapy foam stuff now because some psychopath tried to kill the Green Ranger once at a convention. So yeah. now it's, yeah, it's now it's like super strict. Um, I really wanted the energy sword, like a legit blade energy sword, but I'll have to try to find that somewhere else. But so you're going to have to order that online. I yeah. You'll be able to get that at, at a convention. <laughs> Way back when we, we were able to, but well, yeah, uh, before people tried to kill people. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, that's not really a complaint. It's just something silly. But um, I agree with what Mark said, though. The, the video game presence was lacking. Um, they used to have vendors kind of like at Too Many Games where they would just be selling their either their games or they would be selling consoles or like Raspberry Pi type things. Like there just wasn't that presence there this year. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think I think everything went really well considering the circumstances and the, you know, the pandemic still. It just it felt nice to be back 
um, to some sort of normalcy or, or getting in that direction, you know, and I'm, I'm excited for next year. I will definitely try to cosplay next year and, uh, we'll see, we'll see where we're at when, uh, when the next convention rolls around for New York. I'm excited. Yeah. And I'll add one thing. I went to Nintendo world in New York. Um, the disappointing thing was that, um, it's small. Um, is this your first time being in there? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's, not, it's not a very big place. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it to be like a huge, but it was the way they had it split up was what was disappointing to me. Um, in that the entire first floor was mainly Mario. <laughs> Just well, yeah, Mario I mean it's that's good. Products. <laughs> and then the second floor was dedicated to everything else. Mm-hmm. So Zelda had a little tiny corner, Pokemon and Animal Crossing shared a spot. Um and then they, they dedicated which was crazy to me with all the first party stuff they have they like dedicated like a corner of it to like amiibos in like a glass case that you couldn't buy and then this giant video game that i didn't know what it was i guess it was like a switch game maybe or something and i'm like there's like there's like a third of the second floor that could be metroid stuff you know could be kirby stuff could be smash stuff it's a a tourist trap so they're just gonna try to get you to buy you know yeah yeah. swag instead of games really more than well, no i'm not even saying game i'm saying swag like there was like nothing from those other franchises there again it's, people yeah. people think of nintendo they think of mario they think of zelda and it, yeah. they don't really think of much else if because they're getting a lot of people that are just you know tourists that are yeah. that are there and they, they I say, guess. oh i i liked <laughs> nintendo when i was a kid yeah. so. it was just me seeing an open space in a corner and just being mm-hmm. like you could have thrown a couple shelves over there and done the other games, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so I ended up, I bought a, uh, another light, um, which is just the Hyrule Crest and a pair of uh, jogging pants there. But there wasn't much. There was like pillows and stuff and none of the shirts, you know, were in my size and the hoodies were like 60 bucks. And I'm like, ah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. Um, but yeah, that was the only thing that disappointed me. It's like, I wanted a little more space, not a lot more, just like a little more, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they, they have like a big museum thing in the middle too, that takes yeah. them. So yeah, that, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. But. It's just, yeah, it was, that, that was my only criticism. The rest of the stuff is pretty cool. I sent photos to you guys, um, in there, but yeah, it was just, I was just a little, little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, just because I felt bad for the Animal Crossing Pokemon people because they were smashed together um, yeah, inside of the room. It's um, interesting why they how they wouldn't have more Pokemon, but don't they also have a Pokemon store somewhere? Well, Pokemon, I feel like... the Pokemon company, so it, it's yeah. not exclusively Nintendo, so they're not doing a whole bunch with it there. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was like they were just smashed in a, in a, on a <laughs> sidewall. Yeah. But um, yeah, but yeah, that was the only other thing I did interesting, and I'll I'll probably mention this on our movie podcast, but I. Uh, watch the movie in the uh, Regal 40X thing where the chairs move and wind hits you and stuff. Pretty cool. Um, you can find cool. it cheap. It's, pre- it's pretty cool. Be sure, Probably to for... to, uh, be sure to listen to They Call This a Movie for that. Yeah. 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 My breakdown of that. So, so Tom. So, yes. I went to too many games. I went to too many games, which <laughs> is yearly in Philadelphia, outside of Philadelphia. Uh, it's This is video game centric, so... Mostly vendors. They have. They ha- also have uh, like YouTubers and stuff come out and do and they do their panels. And they, like the Angry Video Game Nerd was there, and Bob Wolf and Spawn Wave and a couple other a couple other retro retro centric channels. 
Um, it was it was okay. It was a lot smaller than normal. Like they usually book out a few halls to have, say the uh, the panels and stuff in. But for whatever, well, I mean, they didn't even know that they were going to have the convention this year. They weren't sure that it was going to happen, so they didn't book as much space. So it was a little cramped. Like when we, you guys went with me last year or two years ago on Sunday, and it was, you know, it was like dead. And this year, there was a ton of people there. And I don't know if that's just because everybody figured out that there's usually nobody there on Sunday or what. Uh, but there were, it was a lot of people. There was a lot of cosplay. Wasn't great, but there was a lot of it, which is cool. Um, and the, the main reason I usually go to too many games is for the vendors. And unfortunately there weren't a lot of like swag vendors there. It it was a lot more, there was way more game vendors, which is normal, but there were due to the cut down size, there was not nearly as many like cool other thing vendors like shirts and 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 any like like the things that Jen was talking about like the the uh the shadow boxes and things like that there wasn't a whole lot of that unfortunately um but I again I don't really go for um for panels and stuff because I've learned through through my many years of going to conventions that I don't I don't like to wait on lines especially when people will get to a place two hours before it opens to wait on the line for something. I, 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 after I saw that once at a convention, I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm not, I, I, it was really, I don't need to see these people that bad. <laughs> so right. instead I go to try and haggle with people and buy video game, which is what I, I tried to do this time. I managed to get a game, a game that, you know, I, I is not in my collection and should have been in my collection. And it was WWF No Mercy. Even so, the prices on this stuff was ridiculous. Like it's it's like everybody went on eBay and said, "I'm gonna charge that whatever they're charging on eBay plus a hundred dollars just because just because it's in person." And I, I'm walking around the event, walking around the event, and guess guess who is in attendance with games and cases and gl- hmm. in glass cases? <laughs> Fucking Wada is there. Trying to sell graded games and their prices being so high for certain games cause other people to go, oh, they're charging that? I can like double my price. And they did. Mm-hmm. And I I went and look like I I was looking at like Final Fantasy two for the Super Nintendo. You could buy that game for thirty-five dollars like last year. I didn't see it for under seventy dollars this year. And it's like that game, like nobody even that that's a Final Fantasy that nobody cares about. And they're charging seventy dollars for it everywhere I went. And it was it it was crazy. Like I bought Final Fantasy three for the Super Nintendo, six for those who, who need to know it that that's it's six. Thank okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> I bought that for thirty five dollars at either Too Many Games or Video Game Con like two years ago with a manual. I couldn't have done that yet uh sunday if i like bartered with the guy like for an hour I, there would be no way that like the i don't know what happened in like i i, I guess they think everybody's got more money because nobody's doing anything during the pandemic i don't know but i think i definitely think that the wada stuff has really screwed up retro game prices and it really sucks 
and it yeah. really it, like Jen, did you, you were they at Comic Con also? Oh yeah, with their buddies, Heritage Auctions. <laughs> they were together. Uh, they, I first of all, I was walking by the end of Heritage Auctions, so I just saw the glass cases with some games in it. So I didn't realize who it was. I could have easily guessed as soon as I saw the prices. I mean, I saw Super Mario Brothers going for a hundred k. Um, Need for Speed going for I think it was fifty k. So then I loop around and I'm like, who are these assholes? And I'm like, oh. Silly me. It's Heritage Auctions and Wada. Um, they had a Charizard holographic Charizard Pokemon card. I think it was graded like a 9.6 or a 9.4 for what did I say it was? $20,000, I believe. And I go over to another booth that had a holographic Charizard Pokemon card. And that one, I mean, still ridiculous. It was like, I don't know, like $1,500 or something. But I'm like, what in the actual hell is going on here? Like, Real. we talked about this. We talked about this a few podcasts ago. But to see it in person was just on a whole nother level of crazy. It really is. And I and it and it sucks because people who want to get into this hobby of retro gaming have to buy shit. They can't buy good games anymore. They have to buy crap games to fill out their collection. And hope that someday somebody does a YouTube video on it, and all of a sudden it becomes a popular game. Like it's it's funny to me though, because there's still game like good games that are cheap. Like you could pick up Blaster Master for ten bucks or mm -hmm. less easily, because there's a million copies of it. Like I w I went past a vendor, he had five copies of Blaster. I'm gonna talk about later. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the NES, like that's the way it should be. Right. It shouldn't be this like oh everybody's hoarding away these games now, so nobody can get them. And they're just hoping that the price will go up. It's just terrible. And going to that convention really, really uh, cemented in the fact that if you are going to start the retro gaming hobby now and you have no games, do not start a collection. Buy yourself a mister and load it up with ROMs that you legally obtained uh, and just use that because it's just as good as having the real thing. I bet if I put a mister and the real thing behind a, a box and did a blind test, I could get nine people out of 10 to not notice that they were different, like giving them the same controller. And, I, like, and if you are uh, a um, if you are a original hardware kind of person, get yourself flashcards. I know I know like there's this. Oh, I that's that doesn't seem right. But. At the same time, I don't I'm I don't want to give these assholes money that are jacking prices up for no good reason just cuz they can cuz they have the stock. Uh and it just it just really put a sour taste in my mouth walking past walking past vendors that had this sort of thing going. So, I went to the guy that had the cheapest no mercy and I I got him down $3 or something and I I bought it. And it was it I <laughs> It, even so, it was an okay deal. It wasn't like, oh, it was a great deal that I w went there and bought it. Like, I could have gone on eBay and got it for, like, the same price. But that's the reason you go to a convention is because you're supposed to get better prices. But for whatever reason, prices were all over the gamut. Sucks. And it kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. I, I hope next year that things kind of settle down and Heritage Auctions goes bankrupt. <laughs> you know, little things. The little things. Uh but yeah, I, ho I hope they get found out to have you know some something something illegal happening. We can <laughs> we don't have to worry about that crap anymore. That would be nice. But yeah, 
overall had a good time. My brother and I went. Um, he's the one who actually does the music for this show, and uh, he likes retro stuff too. So we just kind of hung out and we got to see a couple of uh, indie games. There wasn't that was another unfortunate thing. There wasn't as many indie game developers there. Uh, there was like three or four, but there wasn't a whole lot. Like Retro Retro Mania Wrestling was there because they're they're always there, and there was just a couple other ones that were interesting, but nothing crazy. And they, the the other bad part is they kind of stuck them back in a corner, in, in, like in a a curtained off area. So you had to like go into this area to go play these games. Usually they're out on the floor, and anybody right. could play them. But I guess in these these days, you kind of want to section it off to make sure that everybody's you know, washing or touching stuff and but yeah overall it was it was an okay experience i've had i've got i've been to better better too many games but uh i always like going just just to scope out what's happening the retro the retro world because that's the that's the world i live in at this <laughs> point uh i i know you get you guys went with me i guess it was two years ago and hopefully yeah. they're not the same time as freaking comic-con next year i'll go together because yeah, it's I, I feel like a, game, a, con- a convention like that is where you can do a lot of meeting up with people and and just spreading like the word of your your podcast or whatever or or anything like that your YouTube channel. I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people are into that there. So cool. Networking is a big deal, and I feel like that's a good place to do. It. All right, uh, I think I'm done ranting about <laughs> video game prices, and uh, we're, we're going to talk about a a retro game that was I think flies under the radar. I think I don't think many I don't think it gets its due. Uh, we're going to talk about our retro like game this week, which is Blaster Master for the NES. Uh, it actually has seen somewhat of a resurgence since the Switch came out. They came out with a game called Blaster Master Zero, which is essentially a a remake of the the original game with a lot of new stuff added in. Uh, and uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys thought about this game. Uh, Jen, you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I was happy to see that it was in the Nintendo section, uh, the Nintendo Switch Online section. So I actually played it on my Switch, which made it a lot easier um, for me, you know, and having instead of having to go through it a different way in order to play it. Um, the game was pretty frustrating to me. Um, it's very unique, though. I mean, you have the ability to drive around in a tank. Uh, and then you have the ability to get out of the tank and walk around um, as a person. So I thought that that was really cool. I'd never really played a game like that before from what I can remember for the most part. So I could appreciate that. Um, the music brought me right back to like Pokemon. <laughs> I I love the music in the game. I thought it was great. Um, but it, it's definitely one of those games where, you know, you're moving throughout the throughout the level and the enemies are just on top of you in a split second. They're either flying above you, dropping bombs on you before you could even see them, or you're going into the next level and there's an enemy literally on top of you hitting you already. Like there's those those cheap platformer moves in this game uh, where it's not super easy to get through a level without taking damage. But on the other hand, it's really nice how you can pick up um like power-ups to give you your health back. And they're pretty, they're pretty frequent throughout the game, uh, I found. So that was kind of nice. Um, it took me a while to figure out how to get out of the tank. Um, and it took me a very long time to figure out how to use your special weapons that you wind up picking up throughout the game. Yeah, this is definitely one of those games 
you want to read the manual. Yeah, and I didn't do that <laughs> because it was on the Switch. I don't have the manual, so I, I was kind of lost there too. Like, mm -hmm. you, if you watch the stream, I was kind of like, I have no idea how to get this to work. So I'm just going to press button and see what happens. Yep. Yeah. That's what I was doing. Um, I figured out how to, you know, you can jump. I really like that you can shoot up because a lot of times in these older games, you can't shoot up. Um, you kind of just have to jump and shoot straight forward and see if you can hit somebody even. But in this game, you could jump, you could shoot up. Um, trying to think. It looks like, so it was weird. When I first started playing the game, I booted it up. It put me in some random level where... I was climbing up on walls, like certain kinds of blocks you can climb up, go upside down and stuff. And then when I died, it brought me back to the actual start of the game. So I don't know if somebody at one point who was playing on my Switch played a little bit of the game and that's where they were. I, I was very weird. Um, uh, it's possible. I think they did a Blaster Master like where they give you all of the weapons and stuff like mm -hmm. they, they like they do with Super Mario 3 and stuff. They they do like a special. Oh, you can have everything at the beginning. So there yeah. there may have been one of those things going on. Right. Yeah, I had no idea. I was so confused. I was like, it feels like I'm in the middle of a level right now, and I don't <laughs> remember seeing this when Tom was playing on Retro Roulette Day. So it was weird, but I died very quickly, of course. And then I got to start the game from the beginning, which was better. Um, obviously, the fact that there's save states when you play on the Switch is helpful. Um, trying to think it was funny because Dan was listening to me playing it and I went from being really frustrated to like kind of laughing about it so he's like oh it sounds like you're having fun now so I was like I am and then I go back to being frustrated at it again because it's just I was really trying not to use the save states I, I probably played it for like so I, at one point I got to the the which was the giant brain with all the little brains which, floating around somebody it I don't know. I know it's like one of three big bosses. Somebody in our Discord mentioned boss, that it's sure. probably one of the hardest bosses. And okay. that's the only one that I, I saw. So that's why I kept dying over and over and over. Oh, the brain guy? Yeah. Yeah, the big brain. That, um, I, oh, that was so annoying. So the level before that were those three floating heads. And if you didn't go into that level and get out of that level with all of your health, there was absolutely no way to beat the boss in the next in the next room. Absolutely no way because you had to allow yourself a few times to get hit by the projectiles around the big boss while you were shooting at it. Yep. Um it was it was really tough. I actually beat it. Nice. Yeah, I beat it and um then I went on I got into world 2, like the second world. Um and the difficulty ramps up a little bit, like some of the enemies you can't kill. It kind of reminded me, and I haven't played this yet, but it kind of reminded me of Metroid Dread from what I've seen, where you have an enemy that's after you and you can't kill it. You just have to get away from it and lose it. There are these little bugs. I don't know if you guys have gotten to this point in the second world. I did not. No. There are these little bugs that crawl after you and you can't shoot them because they're just below the line of your, your gun. So you can't shoot them. You can't jump on them. I've tried. I Maybe I'm missing something, which is <laughs> totally possible. There might be another weapon that you can use against them at one point. But um, I couldn't hit them. You just had to lose them. And if they were on the level above you and you would run to the right, they would also run to the right. And then if you ran back to the left, they would also run back to the left so they could see you. But then if you got far enough away, they would either fall off the level if they kept you know, running around or they would just disappear after a while. 
but they're they're all over the place in the second world so i don't know if there's a way to take them out or not but it definitely made it more difficult to me um the only thing that i think really irritated me to the point where i was like this is a stupid mechanic is when you were getting hit by um an enemy you couldn't do damage to them at the same time like yeah. when those little floating heads before the big boss that was the brain um before i figured out if you just hit them with i don't know what the gun was it was like a bomb almost it, it did more damage um before i figured out that was the best way to hit them i noticed like if two of them were coming at me and i was kind of backed into a corner if one of them started hitting me i couldn't I couldn't hit them back and get out of the way. Like it was just, I was stuck while they were hitting me. Like you can't move, you can't do damage to them. Yeah, you're exactly, you're in a loop and then you die, which is super annoying. I think if you were able to kind of do damage back or not get stuck while you're taking damage, that would have been um, less frustrating to me. But I kind of, I don't know, I kind of got over it. But that was like the one big thing where I was like, you know, that's really stupid. I really wish that it was different. But overall, um, I started out my first impression of this game was that I was really going to hate the shit out of it. Like, I was like, I hate this already. This is stupid. And then I got the hang of like getting out of the tank and like when that was a good idea and when you had to and and all that. And it, you you don't have to like rush through the levels either. Like you obviously have to watch out for enemies. You can't just sit there and like take a break with the game without pausing it. But it wasn't like a super fast paced game where you had to continue on you know what i mean like you can kind of take your time and and pay attention to the things that were going on and and hit enemies and get them out of your way and move on and like i said before they had all the abilities to heal back up um which was nice they had the areas where you could blast through the rocks and you can get your power-ups again which i thought was a nice thing that they did it was kind of like the fairy fountains in uh in zelda you know you can get your your life back, which was nice. So I, I appreciated that. Overall, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I surprised myself in the end by enjoying the game. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Because yeah. after, you know, Bionic Commando, I, I was hoping this would be a, a better <laughs> experience for you for the NES. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, Mark, so I did not get as far as Jen um, because apparently I'm not good at video games. Um no, it basically, it went the same way that most of my time playing Blastmaster is, where um, I am really terrible with the car or tank or whatever, and I end up losing a lot of my lives in that section, um, driving around on that overworld. The um, platforming section? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who knows? <laughs> who knew, right? Um, I love the... My favorite part of the game is when you go in and the perspective changes. That's always been my favorite part of this game. Even when I didn't understand what's going on. I've never read the manual either, so maybe I could make it easy on myself by knowing some things. Um, so the um, the most frustrating part to me was the part that I kind of chuckled at you on stream. Was coming out of that one door and that guy being spawned right on the door. And just continually hitting you until you die. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. great. Yep. Yeah. Um, my problem was, uh, anytime I came out that door, I didn't have much life. Yeah. So... I died on usually the first or second hit um, as I was trying to get away. Um, when I came out with more life, I was able to deal with it better. But as terrible as I was at playing this game, that was um, not possible. And I think if I remember correctly, because I did this the first time I played, and I don't know if I did it much afterwards um, or my first session playing this. Um, 
But I think you can skip that door, if I'm not mistaken. I think you can. Because um, I remember just doing it, just testing that out. I don't remember if I didn't get far and doubled back or what. Um, but I feel some of those doors are not essential. I mean, Jen could mm-hmm. probably speak to that. They um, are in the sense where you can go to an area and just collect power-ups to heal back up. Or run into enemies and die for no reason. There yeah. are definitely dead ends in the game, I noticed. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, as much as there's only certain NES platformers that that I will even fuck with. And um, this has always been one I've tried to get into because... The concept, as you've seen if you watched our stream of it, is so interesting and it's so, you know, breathtaking for when you think of the time period that this came out mm-hmm. um, and just the, the you know, that, that changed perspective. And I can forgive some of the dumb stuff because it was the first time they were probably trying to do something similar to this, um, at least on the NES. I'm assuming it's been in arcades longer, um, but yeah, it's... It's a game that's, um, I'm sure, if you're a lot better platformers at it than my, than me, um, you can get a lot more um, time and enjoyment, as Jen has shown, um, that there's even a second level to this game. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very much the Ghosts and Goblins, I, I believe. I, right? That's the hard one, because there's two of them that are very similar in name, right? Tom? Well, there's Ghosts and Goblins and Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah, so whichever one of those two is the hard one. They're um, both hard. They're both hard. <laughs> there's one that's notorious. You never know where you get past the first level. Um, it, as a joke, obviously, people would beat that game. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that that's how I felt through this. Is that I'm like, I don't know, I don't know where this section ends. Like, is yeah. is there more? Um, but I'm glad when we get NES games because a it gets me to see what uh, Jen thinks of these games since it's probably her first time going through some of these. Um, if they're not the more popular ones. Um, and two, I get to revisit some things that I haven't p- probably played in a long time. Um, so, you know, thank you for that, Tom. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's a perfectly fine game, but you have to know what you're getting into before going into it a lot like Bionic Commando. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, if you go if you go into this thinking you're going to get Mario, you are mm-hmm. you are sorely <laughs> mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> no Mario here. No. Only pain. I, uh, you know, I enjoyed what I played. I did not get as, I didn't beat that boss and get past like Jen did, but, uh, I, I enjoyed what I played. I like, I, I prefer the platforming sections, honestly, over the, the shooting section, the adventure sections or whatever you want to call them. And now that I know that the manual tells you where you should go, I would like to try it again and see if I can get to where it tells you to go. Uh, I I just feel like I might have a better time knowing that now. I think uh, so. But you know, it, it's it's still a lot of fun. The music is really really good. Sunsoft Sunsoft has a a reputation for their NES games and having really good. So if you if you like chiptune, I recommend checking this game out just for that. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you don't even need to like like the game. You can just check out the. Um, but it's definitely unique. I've never played get another game like it. Yeah. Where you can get out of it, get out of the tank, and go explore on foot, and then get back in. And I just wish that the the to me the continue system needed to be a little better, or have a checkpoint system, or something. Yeah. It, but that's the way those games were, and you can't fault them too much. But it, to me, playing it on a Switch probably would have been a better thing to ha- if, so you could have that save state. 
Like yeah. you save before you go through a door because who knows what's going to show up on the other side. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah. I am overall I had I had some fun with it and I think that if you are interested in like a, an action adventure type game for the NES that you haven't you may have not heard anything about or seen before, I highly recommend checking this. All right, so let's get some scores. Uh Jen, what did you give it? I'm going to give it a 4.5. Ooh, 4.5. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? I feel like I've been pretty critical lately <laughs> of retro <laughs> games. You know, it's been a rough patch. But um, yeah, I feel like for like you, like you just said, you can't really fault a game like this for some of the mechanics because that's just how they were. And it's such a unique game that I feel like they kind of, you know, undo some of the more frustrating aspects of the game. Um, I just, like I said before... I just wish that you didn't get stuck when you were taking damage because um, that's really frustrating. And then also, as Mark mentioned, you can walk through a door into the next part of the level and have an enemy literally drop on top of your head. And you're already taking like two, three hits of damage before you can even get away from them or like shoot them back. So, you know, stuff like that gets frustrating. Um, but with the save states, I had a lot of fun playing. Um and it's kind of fun sometimes to be frustrated by a game because it means it's difficult, but it's not unplayable, in my opinion, to the point where you're like, I don't ever want to touch this again because this is just infuriating. Like you get the hang of it and then you can appreciate it for what it is. And and like I said, also, you don't have to rush through it and, you know, just jump, 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 jump and hope that you're hitting the platforms like you have to be careful with the tank because it slides and um, you can take it a little bit slower and you can kind of, you know try to catch on like that and and you know get around the enemies kill them get your health back so i think for what it is i think it's a great game the music's awesome like you said so yeah 4.5 for me mark how about you yeah so i was thinking a uh like a three and a half was probably where i was landing um very good game um in terms of um you know what what they attempted to do with the limited technology but um, I don't think I can go as high as Jen just because um, parts of it doesn't age a bit, which is or age well um, in terms of spawning and, you know, enemy placements and things like that. Um, but it's still I highly recommend playing it. You know, seven out of ten, still a great score, especially for an NES game doing things for the first time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Outside of the real classics on that system, things that are seven and eights are probably much better than you know some of the uh some of the lower end stuff that comes out on later systems um going forward for nintendo um so there's a reason why they curated a lot of these games and there's only 704 of them so um yeah i do recommend this is one of the good ones yeah i'm gonna land right in between you guys i'm gonna give it a four uh and like i said uh a lot of fun gameplay uh i think if you were better at sh like running gun shooters you'd like this a lot as i am not very good at those types of games i'm much better at platformers so if you like that style of game and you like really cool music chiptune stuff uh and like a goofy bonk bonkers story that they try to tell in this as well i i think it's a, def a definite must play yeah overall i think we i think i think we finally hit on a good nes game that we didn't all hate yeah <laughs> so that's good all right so let us spin the wheel All right, we are playing another RPG. Uh, hopefully you all are all ready for this. We're playing Final Fantasy IX 
for the Ooh. PlayStation One. Uh, an, another classic. I, I think this is regarded as one of the better of the PlayStation era. The uh, it the, it the... really depends on um, where you fall on story, um, or I should say setting, not story. It's like recording yeah, this. Yeah, this is um, this, this is a medieval style game. Yeah, because the other ones have been more uh, modern, futuristic. Yeah. The two before this. Um, so this was the return to what six was. So. It really falls down to where you fall on the scale. And it's the same as 12 does the same thing. You know, that depends on what 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 is Final Fantasy to you. Um, so, so it'll be interesting um, to see what those of you out there think. And I think Jen's the only one that hasn't played it amongst us. So, yep. Yeah, I've dabbled. Uh, I, I, have, I, I have completed it. I don't think we're going to stream this, unfortunately, due to the fact that we're recording this on the night that we usually stream. We usually yeah. stream the game, so uh, if you're playing along at home, uh, load up Final Fantasy IX and let us know what you think. But yeah, I, bet, I think it's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, a lot of discussion. Uh, it's it, it was nice to get the band back together, so to say. And uh, let, let's uh, let's get all of our info out of the way here. Mark, you want to let everybody know about our family of podcasts? Yeah, so we got our D&D podcast, Stranger Damies, airs every other Wednesday. Um, so they're... Um... As usual, as we figured out, um, it is on the weeks that there is not a Game Vault pod. So if you're listening to this the day it comes out, um, there is not a Stranger Damies this week, but next week. Um, so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Stranger Damies. Send us like, share, subscribe anywhere you get podcasts, Apple iTunes reviews, whatever you want to do. We'd appreciate it. Um, then we have our movie podcast. They call this movie airs every Thursday. Um, you can find us on Spreaker. Um, and we are also on Instagram and Twitter at the main Damie. Uh, the main Damie.com is our website where we do all of our content lives, um, all the podcasts we do, everything. October um, is a very uh, special month um, for the site. And it's my favorite uh, month just because of Anthony's 31 Days of Horror reviews. I 100 um, percent support you guys uh, checking those out. Those are really good. Um, and it's the highlight of my year on the website. Um, so feel free to go check those out. And Jen, what's what's our streaming schedule? Yeah, so right now um, we currently stream on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Um, eventually, we may be opening up um, more days to streaming. We'll let you guys know uh, as the colder weather rolls through and we have less plans that take up our weekend time. Um, but for right now, we have our Monday streams, which are with Tom. So they either alternate with our Retro Roulette streams um, or Retro Mondays. Uh, right now, I believe it's called Multiverse Monday. He is currently playing through Chrono Trigger. However, Tom, would you like to jump in really quick and let us know what may be taking the place of Chrono Trigger temporarily? So it will be. I, I will be <laughs> downloading it tonight. Uh, I will be playing Resident Evil 2 Remake on Mondays. Uh, I, I It may go into November. We'll see how long it takes to get through Resident Evil 2, but... Uh, mm -hmm. It's going to take the place of Chrono Trigger for a little while, and then we'll get back into Chrono Trigger and finish that up. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. I'm so not. So not. <laughs> and just in case you guys are wondering why this is, um, we had a sub goal that um, if you follow us on Twitch, our amazing community helped us hit. Um, and that was our that was our sub goal because Tom is not a horror game fan, so we thought it would be a fun challenge. Um, so yeah, so... <laughs> Please tune in for those. I think it's going to be a really fun time. It's a great game. Um, so I think there are parts of it that you will enjoy. And then some parts you might not. But it'll be fun to watch you play and get your thoughts on it. 
Um, so like I said, those are Mondays with Tom. Wednesdays is um, our RPG day where the three of us jump on. Uh, currently, we are attempting to play through the Master Chief Collection. Um, unfortunately, we do have issues right now, at least on Tom's end. I haven't booted it up. Maybe I'm having the same issue. Um, so instead of Halo, we are most likely going to be playing Back for Blood this Wednesday. And maybe that'll be something we continue you know, throughout October to stay with the horror vibe going through for Halloween. We'll let you guys know. Um, and then Thursdays is a uh, co-op day. It's usually Mark's day. So right now, Mark and I are playing through the game It Takes Two. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then after that, Tom and Mark have something in the works as well. So please continue to check us out on Thursdays. And uh, again, just as a recap, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are currently days off for us on our Twitch stream. But uh, more to come on that, hopefully in the future, adding on some more days. Awesome. We're, we're going to have a lot of stuff coming up especially yep. once it starts to like snow then we'll, you know we won't yes. be able to leave the house anymore uh so yeah uh keep an eye on on twitter for all of that good stuff uh before we get out of here i want to mention that we're an affiliate of stone age gamer if you have any need for retro console accessories whether it be uh power supplies or cables or or controllers or or flash carts or anything like that Head on over there via the link in the description of the podcast. And every time you use that link to purchase something, it gives us a little kickback and helps us make and podcast better for you guys. So once again, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, and I hope you all are staying safe and uh, being nice to each other. So for Mark and Jenny, I'm Tom, and we will catch you guys in the next one. Mm-hmm.